I have started noticing how many people are overweight. I'd never noticed, and I was one of them. I'll be the first, I was one of them. Uh, I look around, and it is amazing, and I've read statistics lately about the, the, the growing population, literally growing population of obese people. Hi, I'm Maria, otherwise known as the Fit Foodie. I'm a chef, holistic nutritionist, author, inventor, and mom. And I want to welcome you to my podcast. It's called Recipes for Your Best Life. And with every episode, I'm peeling back the onion on fitness, nutrition, health, wellness, and family. The truth is, you're the chef of your life. And for every important pillar, there's a great recipe worth sharing. So every week, we'll explore them together. Think of it as food for thought that you can really sink your teeth into. So join me and let's squeeze the joy out of this life because you only get one. Can I get a fork, yeah? What happens when a health scare prompts a family intervention? Well, this is exactly what occurred to Rich Everett. Rich is a former news director, reporter, and anchor and he's a 30-year veteran of the broadcast news business. He's interviewed everybody that you can imagine, including all of the living presidents, uh, celebrities across the gamut. And he comes from a very hectic lifestyle, one where he was smoking three packs of cigarettes a day. Yes, three packs a day, and eating a lot of unhealthy food. And then when he went to the doctor and found that his health was hanging on by a thread, his family decided to jump in. And what happened after they did that intervention is pretty incredible. You're going to learn all about that in this episode of Recipes for Your Best Life. And if you think it's too late, it's never too late. Rich is 64, and his life completely turned around within six months. Get ready to be inspired. Rich, it's so great to be on with you today. Thanks for making time for us. Happy to be here. So we met by way of, you know, kind of the industry that we live in and your background in the broadcast world is pretty extensive. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, I started, gosh, way back uh, in the dark ages in 1972 uh, in radio and eventually made the transition from radio into television. And in television, I started as so many do, as what we now call an MMJ, a multimedia journalist. Although back then, there was not, not much multimedia. But <laughs> what that meant back then was what we would call back then a one-man band. You shot your own material. You did your own reporting. You did it all by yourself. Uh, and then, I, you know, like so many, I kind of worked my way up through the ranks, became a reporter, eventually became an anchor, eventually became a news director and ran news operations. And uh, all that took, uh, well, since 72 to 2004. And in 2004, I got this idea that there should be a company that didn't exist. And so I started, uh, I decided that I would leave the day-to-day -day TV news business and start that company. And that company is called Talent Tapes. And that was back in the days when we actually used tape. We don't use tape anymore. And a demo reel uh, was called a talent tape. 
in the uh, in the music industry, there were I knew people in the music industry in Nashville, and that's where I got the idea. If you want to be a big country music singer, uh, you make a demo and you sure. take it to the record company, and they listen to it and they go, "Yes, we will make you a star." And there are companies that the musicians can go to that will help them produce those demos. Well, in the TV news business, it's the same thing. You have to take a demo of your work to the TV station to try to get that anchor job or that reporter job. But there was no uh, nobody in the that had a business that you could turn to and say, "Help me figure out how to do that." Everybody was kind of left with their own to their own devices. Right. And I thought, uh, from having watched as a news director millions and millions of, of talent tapes, I, I realized that there were people who were great journalists who could put together a great story that had not one clue what news directors were looking for on a demo reel. So I started the company Talent Tapes to provide that service. Yeah. And that, that was, gosh, it's been 15 years now, and uh, we're still going strong. I love it. But you, from the minute, I have to say, from the minute. We've been able to help so many people. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, but from the minute that I heard your voice over the phone, I was like, this is an iconic voice. I mean, this is like a radio voice personified. Where would maybe we have heard (laughs) you, that voice? Because it's just, it's so perfect. Well, you know, along the way, you know how it is in our business, you, you, you start off in the little tiny markets and work your way up. I tell people it's kind of like being a professional baseball player, you know, starting in the minor leagues and eventually trying to get to the major leagues. Oh, yeah. And I have worked in markets as I have worked in places as small as, I guess, Hattiesburg, Mississippi was the smallest of them, all the way up to New York City and many stops along the way. I, I was in, gosh, I was in Chattanooga for a long time. Uh, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina for a while, Scranton, Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania for a while. You, you know, you, once again, to use the baseball analogy, you hit the ball and you touch them all. Try, <laughs> to, make it, try to score. <laughs> well, when you're you really like kind of done everything in your world, in your industry, what part, you know, before starting your company, and I want to talk a little bit more about mm-hmm. talent tapes, but before you decided to make that that transition, what was the day-to-day life of a broadcast journalist like? I mean, I can only imagine it was pretty hectic. It, well, if you're like me, uh, and I'm a naturally curious person, uh, it was the greatest thing ever because I, every day you get to go learn something new. You know, what, whatever's going on in the world that's the most interesting thing out there that's what you're going to spend your day learning about, and then you get to come back and tell everybody else about it. So it was just a wonderful uh, career for me to be a reporter. And along the way, you know, you get to do everything. I'd, I have flown with the Blue Angels and the Thunderbirds. I've ridden in the four-man bobsled with the Olympic bobsledders. Wow. Uh, I've interviewed every president from Jimmy Carter up to George Bush. Uh, got, you know, you just – you do everything. I've covered riots. I've covered wars. I've covered, there's not much in life after doing it, you know, nearly 40 years that you haven't, you know, seen firsthand. Um, And that's what I wanted. That's what I wanted with my life. I wanted, I did not want to live a boring life. And I assure you being a, a reporter all those years, it is not boring. I can I can only imagine. And you named off some pretty famous people. What was your 
let's start with your favorite interview and maybe your more challenging one. You know what? You're not going to believe this. My favorite, people ask me that pretty frequently, and they're always surprised by the answer. All the famous people were not my favorite interviews. <laughs> uh, only because they're, they're professionals at being interviewed. That's sure. what they do. They, they get interviewed. Uh, my very favorite interviews, and there were a handful of them, were ordinary people. Ordinary people in extraordinary circumstances. Mm. I remember I, years ago, I was in uh, Tennessee, and I'd been sent to cover a bus accident. A bus had gone over one of the mountains in Tennessee. By the time we got there, it was all over. Everybody was gone. And so my videographer was just getting some, some video of the area. And I turned around, and a guy, an older guy, had walked up, just what you would think of up in the hollers of Tennessee, uh, wearing overalls and a straw hat. You know, it looked like he was right out of central casting. <laughs> and he and I started talking. He just lived up in that area and had walked down to see what all the fuss was about. And as I talked to him, he started telling me the story of his life. That he had grown up there in the, the mountains of Tennessee and his parents and grandparents had. And now his daughter lived over in the other holler over there and his son lived down the road and on that mountain over there. And he was just a wonderful, normal human being. Hmm. And I thought, this guy is much more interesting than anything that we've got <laughs> planned to be in our show tonight. This is the guy that we should be spending 30 minutes with this evening. Just telling the real stories of real people was what I enjoyed most about my time in, in the news business. Mm, I love that. And what was maybe one of your most challenging with that of been a famous person? <laughs> uh, you know, I guess the most challenging, yeah, there were, <laughs> yeah, on a fairly regular basis, uh, it's challenging. And I I will just tell you, just as a blanket statement, all the politicians are challenging. <laughs> all of them. Dude, I thought we were going to get some dirt today. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll just as a blanket statement throw dirt on all of them as far as being interesting <laughs> interviews. They are just so well practiced at not answering your question. And it was just, it was a daily frustration trying to deal with the politicians. Uh, that was, those would be the, the toughest of them all. Yeah, the media dance. Yeah. Um, so leading into, you know, your vast experience in broadcast, you, you interviewed them all, you saw them all. What was your day-to-day -day lifestyle like then? I can only imagine being so hectic and, you know, hard to kind of just keep things straight, let alone take care of yourself. I mean, was it hard to, to do or, you know, what kind of routines did you fall into? I'm just curious what that kind of lifestyle looks like. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a little different from, from a normal office job. Uh, one of the things that I learned was I always kept a bag packed under my desk because you just never knew at any moment uh, that they were going to say, hey, Rich, we need you in a different city and you got to stay there for the next two weeks and you better hurry right now. Uh, years ago, I was, I was, and here's just an example of how that kind of thing can happen. Uh, many, many years ago, when I was sort of still starting out, uh, we had gotten a call one day that I was going to be going to Atlanta to cover something at the legislature there. And there was a prison riot at the federal prison. So they diverted me off the story I was on over to go see what was happening at the federal prison there. And it turned out to be 
not only a prison riot, but a siege. The prisoners actually took over the federal prison in Atlanta. This was just before Thanksgiving of that year. I remember that because I missed Thanksgiving and Christmas. Oh, uh, all of a sudden, I was supposed to have a fairly normal day covering something at the state capitol and got diverted over to this. And I literally stayed in a tent outside the federal prison in Atlanta for a number of weeks as the siege continued. And not only that, but in addition to reporting from a local station, we got picked up by the network. And so we were reporting for all of the network uh, ABC affiliates around the country during that as well. When I woke up that first morning, in my wildest dreams, I would never have guessed that's how my day in the next few weeks were going to turn out. But that's kind of what you have to be prepared for uh, if you're in the, in the TV news business. You just never know on a daily basis what's going to be happening. So what about like a health routine, you know, from eating to exercise? I mean, was that something that you found yourself doing? Or no. <laughs> no. Uh, and, and to give you an example, when I would never get when I was 30 years old, uh, the director of the show that I was on, he was 30 years old also. He had a heart attack that year, and I was hospitalized with ulcers that year. Oh, wow. uh, and it, it, it was strictly related to the pressures of the job. And when I was put in the hospital with ulcers, my doctor, and I also, they were a little concerned about my heart at the same time. And my doctor was kind of interviewing me uh, in the hospital. I said, now, Rich, now, now tell me about your lifestyle a little bit. Uh, and I said, well, you know, I work, I'm a reporter for TV. He goes, deadline pressure? I said, well, yeah, every day. He said, do you smoke? I said, three packs a day. Just do you oh, drink? Wow. I, said, I said, every night after work, <laughs> we all do. Well, you know, do you get any rest? Yeah, you know, four or five hours a night, and then I'm back at it again. He says, well, I can't imagine why you're having ulcers and may have a heart problem here. Uh, and that was my first indication at the age of 30 that, you know, I might ought to start thinking about uh, a little bit of a different lifestyle. But it took me about 30 more years <laughs> to do much. I did quit smoking. I did quit smoking uh, right then, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Uh, and I would encourage, this is the only thing that I will say today that I will encourage everybody to do. Quit smoking if you smoke. It's just a, not a good thing. I can't yeah. find any good reason to smoke. Amen. Um, so I did quit smoking uh, at that point. But then, you know, for the next 30 years, I was still working in the TV news business for the most part. And, you know, you, you eat Big Macs on the run every day with a large Coke. And the next thing I knew, I'd, I'd ballooned up to, I don't know how much I eventually weighed. Uh, I quit getting on the scales at 250. Uh, and I, but I continued the ascent for a few more months before I did anything about it. So, yeah. Uh, eventually it all catches up with you as it, as it did with me. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I can only imagine three packs a day. Mm -hmm. Salem longs too. Not those wow. little short ones, the big ones. Wow. Yes. How life has changed. Well, you, you started your company and you provide an amazing service and you're now, you know, kind of years later, and down the road and and we were talking because I actually came to you seeking your mm -hmm. services with talent tapes and you shared something really interesting with me you shared a big lifestyle change that you've recently gone through can you share a little bit about that because I think it's pretty it's pretty life-changing yeah sure uh, well it all began uh, with my annual I go get a physical every year like most people do 
And every year as I've been getting a little older, my numbers were getting a little worse, a little worse and a little worse, but nothing catastrophic. And then uh, about a year ago, I went for that physical and my doctor came in and all the numbers had finally started crossing over red lines. And he says, Rich, you know, it's time for us to have a real serious talk and I hope it's not too late. Uh, I had high cholesterol. I had high blood pressure. I had everything bad that you don't want. My blood sugar, I was, he wanted to go ahead and diagnose me right then as diabetic. I found a loophole. I was one-tenth of a point under the threshold. Wow. And he goes, yeah, but look at your numbers. In six months, when you come back, you're, you're definitely going to be over it. So let's go ahead and diagnose you now, get you started on some medicine. I said, you know what? Give me six months. That's all I ask. Give me six months to do what I can to start turning some of this around. And he says, well, how serious are you about that? I said, well, yeah, I think at this point, I probably should have been really serious, you know, a couple of years ago at least. But here at the last minute, let me see what I can do. So I went home and I shared this story with my wife. And the next thing I know, a couple of days later, she says, hey, Rich, our daughter, Kate, uh, who is a nurse, by the way, has invited us out to her house with her husband for dinner tomorrow night. Well, great. Let's go out and have dinner with our daughter, Kate. So we go out there and, and my, my older daughter, Kate, is vegan. And she has put her husband on a vegan diet as well. He has a lot of the same issues that I have. And so we're having dinner and she's talking up, oh, Rich, how do you like that vegan dish, right? Oh, that's really good. And this dish right here, it's vegan also. What do you think? Oh, that's really good. It's that kind of thing. And I'm just thinking we're having a little talk about, you know, the meal that we're having. Sure. And then the next thing I know, it turns out, oh, no, they had done all, they had planned all this behind my back. This was a health intervention that my family is doing on dad. Wow. <laughs> and, and how did so, that make so how'd that make you feel? I mean, were you upset about it or what was your initial reaction? Because you, you, know, you had to wonder, like, what is going on with all these vegan dishes when you were a meat eater, right? You ate oh, I, I'm a hardcore, and... yeah, I'm a hardcore carnivore. <laughs> uh, there's nothing I like better than a big greasy steak. So you know what? I guess a lot of people might have might have been a little put off by it, but they were so nice about it and they were so caring about it. And they were so loving about it, and they just wanted me not to die. That <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I sincerely appreciated it. Uh, and, and after they got through talking to me, I look up, and who's walking through the door but my daughter's uh, father, a uh, father-in-law, uh, who is in, well into his 80s. And my family gets up and leaves the table, and he oh. sits down. I mean, they had this coordinated. Wow. And he, said, he said, Rich, uh, you know, they, they've told me what's going on with you. And he said, I just wanted to have a talk with you, too. I said, all right. What do you have to say? He goes, you know, when I was your age, 20-something years ago, I had the same kind of results on a physical that you just had. And so I can't tell you what to do, but I can tell you what not to do. And I said, I am all ears. Hmm. He goes, don't do what I did. I didn't listen to anybody. And since then, he's had three or four heart attacks. He's got a dozen stents in his heart. Wow. He's got terrible diabetes. You know, the whole thing, it all went bad. And he said, so you're a full grown man. You do whatever you want to do. But my advice is take it from one who's been there. 
don't do what I did. I didn't listen to them. Interesting. Good luck. Hmm. So I, that was all I really needed to hear. So did you take the advice? I mean, what happened? Where, how do you go from being a hardcore carnivore to a vegan? Yeah. And, and uh, you know what? I'm surprised how many people don't understand exactly how strict being vegan is. It's not vegetarian. It is you do not eat anything that is of or from an animal. That's poultry. That's eggs. That's cheese. That's milk. You don't eat any of that. You only eat plants. And, and the, the less processing of the plants, even better. Mm. So I had a, a long talk with my daughter. She knew all about how to do it. And she gave me several books to read and some documentaries to watch. I mean, it was a real edu a crash course in yeah. being vegan. And so I said, here is the only way I think I can do it. I, I would like to try it. I, I began to believe pretty quickly, yep, this is going to be what saves me if I can do it. I truly believe that it's a, it's a good way to eat. Um, but I also knew I really like a good meal. <laughs> And I am, I am not into self-denial at all. So I decided, here's what I'm going to do. I am going to go out into the world, and I am going to search out vegan food that I like as much as the non-vegan food I am currently eating. Because I don't want to sit there having a meal thinking, man, I can't believe I'm having to eat this. I'd much <laughs> rather be eating a steak. Because sure. that, that's not going to work for me. That's not going to last. And so for the last year, that's what I've been doing. I have been going out looking for things that I would never have thought of to eat before that I could say, you know what? I would order this in a restaurant even if I could still eat steak because I like this as much or better. And I, I got to tell you, there have been some hits and there have been some misses. But <laughs> over time, I'm accruing enough hits that, uh, that I've, I've been real comfortable with it. And it's been kind of exciting. It's been a little bit of an adventure. Um, so how, to, long, to do this. how long have you how long have you been officially, let's say, vegan? I'm coming up on a year. A year uh, in about a, in about a month. Mm -hmm. And have you had any of your blood work done or any sort of you know visits since your last? I did. To see how I did. Yep. At at the six month mark, and that was the physical that my my doctor a year ago had said, you know, and when you come back in six months, I'm going to go ahead and diagnose you then as diabetic because you are certainly going to be diabetic at that point, looking at your trend. Uh, when I came back in six months, this is how fast it worked. Now, Oh, let me also add, I've added an exercise also. So that's a component that we have to consider also. And I'm assuming you quit smoking. Oh, I quit smoking 30 years ago. Oh yeah. Okay. That first All right. episode. So that, yeah. that didn't come back. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, my doctor at the six month mark walked in the exam room with all of my test results and high fived me. Mm. He says, Rich, I cannot believe what I am seeing here. He said, do you know how many times I have people tell me, give me six months and I'll turn it around and how few of them can actually do it. He says, your blood sugar, which has been on an upward trend for the past five years, held steady this time. You haven't turned it around, but it's held steady. So you are still technically not diabetic. Mm. So that's fabulous. That's almost impossible to do. 
He said, your cholesterol is now down in a low normal range. Your low blood normal, pressure. Where you were where before? Oh, I was up around the 250 mark. And then, did and you go down? They want you to be 200 or below, and I was in the 160 range. Wow. So you uh, dropped about in. 90 points. A lot. Yeah, wow. it was dramatic. Mm -hmm. uh, to the extent, make a long story short, he said, you know what? At this point, I have no reason to keep you on a statin drug for your cholesterol. Wow. I have no reason, according to these results, to keep you on a high blood pressure medicine for your high blood pressure. And uh, we certainly don't need to be putting you on diabetic medicine right now because you're still managed managing to hold it below the mark. So at this moment, I am on no medications whatsoever. I've wow. been able to do every bit of that with diet and exercise. So you were able in six months to reverse pretty much that complete, like when people think, well, this, I, there's, you know, I'm not going to possibly be able to turn it around that fast. You did it. You showed that in six months you could reverse that trend. That's right. Yeah. But once again, I was hardcore <laughs> on this. Yeah. I was hardcore with the diet. I was hardcore with the exercise. And I think the when combination you say hardcore, of those two just works. When you say hardcore with the exercise, what does your exercise routine look like? Well, once again, I'm not doing it the ordinary way. I, can, I do not have the patience to get on a treadmill and, and jog mindlessly for 30 minutes a day. So just like I said with the, with the eating, I'm going to go out in the world and find things I like to eat just as much as what I won't be eating. Yeah. I said, I'm going to find exercise, things that will constitute exercise that I enjoy doing uh, instead of the mindless stuff that they want you to do. And so I, of all things, I enjoy manual labor. Mm. All right. <laughs> I know that sounds crazy. We know I who enjoy, to call now. I enjoy, <laughs> I enjoy working in the yard. I have a big garden and I enjoy digging and planting and doing all that kind of stuff. So I do a lot of that now. I enjoy building things. I enjoy construction. I spent the summer building a fishing cabin on uh, some property I have on a river near here. And I built it all by myself. And that's wow. hard physical activity. Uh, you know, you're, you're walking up and down ladders. You're picking up boards. You're hammering and you're nailing and you're sawing. And that's, I mean, called, that's functional fitness, by the way. That's what it's is called. That what, is there a word for that? It's yeah. functional okay. fitness. Yeah, because you're doing, you're doing you know, more than just everyday things, but you're doing everyday activities and that, you know, ultimately we need to be strong and, and physically fit so that we don't injure ourselves doing those things that we're supposed to be doing every day. Okay. I, I had no idea there was a word for it. I just yeah. knew I enjoy those kind of activities and it gets my heart rate up. So I think that counts. And so that's the kind of thing I do. If they told me, Rich, you know, you got to do 400 sit-ups a day and run three miles on a treadmill, I'd say, that's not going to happen. That's not but, because, but I have been able to find things that I enjoy doing both with food and with exercise that I enjoy. And that's the key to it. Uh, if it's drudgery, I, I'm probably not going to stick with it. But doing well, it this I, way. I like what you're saying here because, you know, it's true. Like, I think people get into this mindset and they think, 
well, exercise needs to be pounding it at the gym and food needs to be, you know, if we're eating this way, it's going to taste like cardboard, but that's just mm -hmm. really not the case. So you've got your exercise routine, you know, really, which is functional fitness. And then you've got your food choices. Mm -hmm. I mean, you mentioned that you sought out the things that you really enjoyed and you ate more of those. What would you say your favorite meals would be that where you don't feel like they're any compromise? Boy, that's a good question. Um, I like a, f I've discovered a full range of things. Uh, and, but I guess if I had to pick food, I have really learned to love Indian food. Mm. We have a, a number of really good Indian restaurants here in the town I live in. And a lot of Indian food is vegan. And so we eat a lot of Indian food, but I also like uh, other types of food. Well, today at lunch, for example, I have a big garden, uh, and so I went out into the garden, and I picked some tomatoes and some cucumbers and some okra and a few other things, and I diced up a nice vegetable plate, a vegetable salad that was just delicious, and I ate some nuts with it for some extra protein, mm -hmm. and it was delicious. Mm -hmm. uh, it's those kind of things that I'd, uh, you know, you can't just stick with one thing, at least I can't. Uh, I have a variety of different things, and I'm willing, at this point, I'm still trying new things. Uh, and I will tell you, one of the interesting things about this, I've, I've mentioned earlier, it's been kind of an adventure. I read menus now. I haven't read a menu in years. I would just go into a restaurant, hey, give me a T-bone steak, cook it medium, you know, and a big baked potato with a lot of butter too, please. Sure. Never look at a menu. Now I pour over menus to see what they've got that might fit within my diet that I might like. And I have found a lot of restaurants now have menu items that, uh, that actually fit a vegan lifestyle that are delicious. I've also learned that there are some chefs here in my town that are themselves vegan. And I go to their restaurants and I just tell the waitress, hey, tell your chef you got a vegan guy out here. Mm -hmm. Start sending me out some vegan stuff. And they get the biggest kick out of cooking for another vegan. Uh, because they don't get to do that, I guess, that often. There's one restaurant here in town in particular, I've gotten to know the chef, I, and I literally had just heard that the chef there was vegan, told the waitress to, uh, to mention that I was vegan, and he actually came out and introduced himself to me. And he says, do you just trust me to send you out some good stuff? I said, go right ahead. <laughs> so now every time I go, I make it a point to let him know I'm there, and I just trust him to send me some things out. So that's really interesting to me because now you're, you know, you just said something, you said you're much more aware, you know, you're reading menus, mm -hmm. curious, you know, how has that impacted, you, you talk about pulling from your garden, you know, how does that impact just how you make your decisions on what you pull together at home too? Because I, I'm a big believer of, you know, knowing what you put in your body and so right. when you go to make a meal. I mean, how do you kind of think about composing a meal in order to satisfy your hunger and, and meet your nutritional needs? Well, you know, it, it, for me, it actually starts at the grocery store. Uh, as I'm going through the grocery store, my wife and I tend to shop together. And by the way, one of the things that has really helped, she is fully on board with this. Yeah. She is, she is not vegan. Uh, although she, if, if we put together a good meal that's vegan, she'll eat it but she's not fully vegan. Uh, but when we go shopping, as we're going down the aisles, we're reading labels and looking at things. Oh, we hadn't thought about this. This would qualify. Let's try this tonight. Uh, I came up with a great recipe 
uh, about a week ago. Once again, we were it, we were shopping, and they had just gotten in a shipment of avocados that just looked great. And so I came up with a recipe. You know, some avocado dip of some sort would go good tonight. And we just made up an avocado dip uh, that night. It was just delicious, but we were careful as we made it to make sure that it, you know, still was a vegan dish. Although it's it's hard not to be vegan with a, an avocado dip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's those kind of things. In the past, it would never have occurred to me to do an avocado dip. You know, I would have done a cheese dip. But instead, we did an avocado dip that was just great. And I like it so much that given the choice, even if I weren't vegan, given the choice between that and the cheese dip, I would go with the avocado dip. Mm. So you've got a situation where now you have kind of, you know, what I call reset your taste buds or retrained your taste mm -hmm. buds. And the things that you used to crave, you are now craving differently, you know, where right. I was satisfying, where a plate of veggies with nuts is actually just as appealing, if not more appealing than a steak. Mm -hmm. you know, do you think that, like, is it frustrating that your wife is not 100% vegan or is it supportive enough where you just feel like it's okay and you're convicted enough where it's, it's, it's not like you need that 100% support? No, nah, doesn't bother me one bit. Um, and I will say she is a pretty good eater uh, in terms of, of health. Uh, you know, she doesn't eat red meat and things like that, but she, she will eat some cheese and she'll eat it in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, occasionally I tease her and, you know, Hey, you're, you're just trying to torment me now. But the truth is I, I've really kind of lost the desire for a lot of those kind of things. It, it doesn't bother me a bit. Um, and I guess, boy, this is a terrible analogy I'm about to use, but I had a friend that liked to drink too much at one point in his life. And he had to go away for 30 days and get fixed. And when he came back, he wasn't drinking at all. And I asked him one time, we were at a restaurant and I, I was going to order a beer. I said, is it okay for me to drink a beer? He goes, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine. I'm, I'm in a different world now. It's okay. Yeah. And, and I'm kind of the same way with food. Yeah. You know, people, you know, I can be at some place, they're serving hot dogs and hamburgers. I'm okay with that. It doesn't bother me a bit. Now, why do you think that is? Uh, you know, one of the things is because I don't put all that much pressure on myself. Uh, I, I agreed with myself at the very beginning that, you know what, I'm going to give this a try. But if I wake up one day and I just got to have a steak, I'm going to eat a steak. Because as I mentioned earlier, I am not that much into self-denial. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but because of that, uh, it's not like I've got the pressure of saying, I will never get to eat one of those hamburgers they're eating ever again in my life. Oh yeah. my God. It, it, you know, it kind of takes that pressure away. Well, if I want one, I'll eat one. I yeah. just am not going to eat one right now. Sure. Mm -hmm. Sure. So you don't put that pressure on yourself. And, you know, I'm sure part of it has to do with the results you've gotten. I mean, the results you've gotten. Well, that's right. true. Right? That's it's very motivating to start seeing results. And I'll tell you, the first results I saw were when I got on the scales. I keep a set of scales in the bathroom every morning. I weigh myself. And literally, after about the first week, I started losing weight. And every day, I'd get on the scale and go, oh, my God, I've lost another pound. Oh, my God, I've lost another pound. Yeah. And I'm down to, I'm six foot four. I weighed this morning. I weighed 211. I haven't weighed 211 since I was in high school. Wow. And so every few days, 
you know, you're getting that positive feedback and that is extraordinarily motivating to have yeah. that. Oh, I can imagine. So, okay. So you've made this big life shift. You've, you know, changed mm -hmm. your, your numbers. You've literally reversed the trajectory trajectory of these potential diseases that were knocking on your doorstep. Right. Do you think that mm -hmm. it also changed just your energy level and how you see life, like the filter that you see things through? Because I often hear from people who have, you know, made big lifestyle changes. I mean, you can tell by your accent, you're from a part of the country where, you know, <laughs> maybe it's not really a vegan lifestyle that they're doing. I mean, here in Southern California, it's pretty common, but like in Georgia, maybe not yeah. so common. Like, how do you see this affecting like just kind of your whole outlook on life and, and does it make you want to share this lifestyle with others? You know what? You're right. Down here, I, I live in Georgia, and uh, there is nothing on the planet we can't deep fat fry <laughs> down here in Georgia. That is what we do. We put some batter on it, throw it in the big fryer, and then we eat it. Uh, and, you know, if you look around, you understand. If you look at the population, and this is something I've started noticing. You talk about just your different view of life. I have started noticing how many people are overweight. I'd never noticed, and I was one of them. I'll be the first. I was one of them. Uh, I look around, and it is amazing. And I've read statistics lately about the, the the growing population, literally growing population of obese people. And uh, you know, there are a lot of different reasons people think that is the case. I can't help but think that in the South, it's it's how we're eating uh, down here. You know, there's a barbecue restaurant on every corner. Everything is deep fat fried. Um, and you know, once again. People can do whatever they want to with their lives. I'm not, I'm not out here preaching, but I know for me, I look at the lifestyle. I was a part of that lifestyle for so many years and I see where it had taken me and I see how once I got off that road onto another road, it is now taking me to a different place. I can't help but think that there is, there is a better road that we could all be taking uh, if we made those same choices. Once again, I'm not a preacher. I'm not telling people how to live their lives. But if anybody were to ask me, Rich, you know, how, how can I achieve the same kind of results you've achieved? I would say, well, there's not one thing. It's a whole lifestyle kind of thing. All that barbecue you're eating and all those fried pickles and all that, that's what I was doing. And now I'm doing something else and it's been better for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, something that we recommend, you know, is people start with one day a week, you know, start one day a week with a meatless Monday and mm -hmm. just try and explore other things. Is there anything that you would recommend to people just to kind of take one step towards that direction of maybe giving up some of the things that are not necessarily great for your health? You know what? I'm so glad you asked me that. Uh, a friend of mine, we were in a restaurant the other night, and I was looking over the vegan menu. And he said, you know, if I was going to do this, how would you suggest I get started? I said, you can start right now. Here's how you do it. We're sitting in this restaurant. Look at the menu. Find something on there that's vegan that you wouldn't have considered trying before. And instead of that steak or that hamburger tonight, just try that. Yeah. And see if you find something on this menu that you like that's good for you. 
And if you do, then try it at the next restaurant and the next one. And kind of, you know, put your toe in the water and see if you don't, like me, find things that you go, wow, you know, I like that as much as what I was going to order. I think I'll order this instead because not only is it good, it's good for me. I think that's a real easy way to get started. I love that. One, one toe in the water and try it. And if you like it, mm-hmm. keep trying. Then try it again. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Rich, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you for sharing your awesome case study, your own personal case study with us, and hopefully encouraging people out there to take that next step with one toe in the water. Been my pleasure. I've enjoyed it. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I know you have a lot of choices out there of what to listen to, what to watch. So it means a lot to me that you're here with me. And hey, if you love this content, would you hit the subscribe button? I want you around. I don't want you to just show up for one episode and leave. I want you here, part of the conversation, a seat at this table. And while you're at it, would you share this with your friends and family? And if you take a screenshot and share it on your social media with a hashtag RFYBL for Recipes for Your Best Life, I'll make sure to personally give you a shout out and you may just be featured right here on the show. So until next time, here's to living deliciously and being the chef of your best life.